0: If you will grab a seat and grab your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter six. By the way, if you're new to uh, to Clear Creek or maybe just new to church in general, let me let me tell you: the Gospel of Matthew uh, is in the second half of our Bibles. Our Bibles are divided in the Old and New Testament. I know some of you are going, "Well, yeah, of course." I, I grew up in church; I know that. You understand, though. Every Sunday, we are blessed to have people who may not have some of the familiarity with Scripture that we, some of us, have had and. So I always want to make sure that no matter where you are starting out from, we can walk this journey together. And so we're going to be in the second half of the Bible, which is all about Jesus and his church. The first half is about God's promise to bring Messiah or the chosen one, Jesus. And then the second half is about what God does through the person and work of Jesus and then through the church after that. Now, before we get into today's message, I kind of want to just take a real quick segue, give you a couple updates, things you need to be aware of so that we can walk well together as a body over the next couple weeks. So first, let me kind of go the furthest and work my way backwards. In two weeks, right in here, we will begin a multi-week, multi-month journey through the gospel of Mark. You say, why? Because we believe that the most compelling person who has ever lived the one that we ought to know and want to know more than any other is Jesus Christ. And so as disciples or those who follow Jesus, we want to know him deeply. And so over the course of about 30 weeks, you say, whoa, that's long. Don't worry. We'll divide it up. You'll have breaks. But really, where are you going to be other than for here on Sunday anyway? It doesn't matter. Anyway, whatever. So we're going to go through the Gospel of Mark starting in two weeks. And uh, next week, I'm going to give you a little preview of something we want to give you uh, starting in two weeks. So it's going to be great. Second thing, this Wednesday night, we are going to have a very special class right here in the cafe. Now, if you're in a group or you're, you're engaged elsewhere, that's great. You do that. But this class is for anyone who has ever asked the question, why is it that God seems not to answer all of my prayers or in the way I ask? Or in the timing that I request. If you've ever struggled with this thing called prayer, and I know we're going to talk about some great things this morning, but some of you are going to be left scratching your head saying, well, what about when it doesn't work the way I pray? And what about then? I just want to invite you. You show up this Wednesday night. I was going to do it on a Sunday, but we just need a little bit more time to talk through this than I would have on a Sunday. So on Wednesday night at 630, right in the cafe, other side of this wall, you join us, and we will walk through this question or this idea of unanswered or seemingly unanswered prayer together. And you say, why all this about prayer? Well, we are in the midst of 21 days of prayer. And by the way, if you did not receive last week one of these prayer cards, on one side it has the title, but on the other it has our 21 prayer focus as well as fasting options and things. Uh, If you did not get one of these and would like one, just raise your hand. Some of our ushers are going to quickly hand them out. So just raise your hand if you did not receive one and you want one. We have some down front and there are a few others, but here's why we're doing this. We believe that prayer is our first response. It is not our last resort as Christians. That we go to God first because we believe he is a good God. Hey, by the way, if you believe God is good, two things, will you tell your face so it smiles And number two, can I get an amen if God is good? So we believe that God is good and we want to talk to him. The second reason, though, is we believe that as we go to him, we become more like him and we see what he sees in the world and what he wants for the world. Now, one of the ways we're doing this is every day at 12 noon on Facebook Live, we are praying together as a church, one of our staff one of the elders, one of the church leaders will get on and for about five minutes in the middle of your day, they will pause and they will pray and we get to join together and it's been kind of neat to see how many of you are on with us during that time. And I know many of you can't make it at 12. Don't worry, they will be left up for about a day after they've been posted. So you can hop on if you missed out. I know if some of you can't stop at 12, but you can still participate later in the day. We believe that digital prayer is just as powerful as live prayer because it's the same God in both places. And so, I want to invite you to participate in that. Now, with that said, today we are continuing our journey through this thing called the Lord's Prayer. And really, it ought to be called the Model Prayer. Because it is the prayer Jesus modeled for us so that we would understand how to pray. And so, I want us to begin by saying this prayer together as one body. And so, if you will, go ahead, let's stand together and let's say the Lord's Prayer together out loud, declaring the truth that He Shares with us here. This then is how you should pray, church. Are you ready? Let's do this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the first question that comes to mind when we read this is, well, wait a minute. Isn't there that little part that says, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever? Amen. And then, of course, someone busts out in the chorus. Everyone sings. A tear rolls down the eye. Isn't that how it ends? And the short answer is, not really. Uh, in the footnotes in your Bible, you will notice there that the verses following this um, are not included in later Uh, or rather, in the earliest manuscripts. So the earliest documents we have of the Lord's Prayer do not include that little phrase. Now, it's a good phrase. But it was tacked on 100 to 150 years later as the church would say this in her assemblies. They began to say, we want to exalt the Lord as we start and as we end. And so it became more common to add that benediction and praise at the end of it. And that's why it is there in some of our older Bibles, but not in our oldest manuscripts. Now, here's why I want us to take one more look at this beautiful little passage today. And I'll do it with a little moment of retrospective. Just a show of hands this morning. How many of you ever took driver's ed, driver's education? Let's see some hands. How many of you wish that more Chattanoogans took driver's ed? Let's see some more hands. How many of you, if we were honest, are those same Chattanoogans that ought to have taken driver's ed? Now, here's the thing. A friend of mine named Tim made a comment about a month, month and a half ago, and, and, and I must confess, I, I never took driver's ed, so beware when I'm on the road. I do my best, but I didn't have the training. But he said that when his daughters were going through driver's ed, one of the daughters said, I don't remember anything they told us except for this. They said that where your eyes look, that's where you'll drive. Have you ever noticed this when you're driving? You're driving, you look somewhere else, and you're at, you start to kind of meander over into someone else's territory, or you start to look over here, and you do this, or moms, dads, how many of the times have you been driving, you're not looking elsewhere on the road, but you have to deal with a rebellion in the back seat. The children have taken up arms against you, and you have to send back the infantrymen to deal with what is going on. Anyone here ever do that? Oh, come on. How many of you know that in that moment, you're, you're kind of doing this little number. You're looking for the legs, and the legs are moving all over the place, trying to stay out of the danger zone. And so what are you doing on the road? <laughs> because where your eyes go, that's where you go. Jesus wants us to understand that that's not simply true when it comes to driving an automobile. It is true for life. This is why Paul will tell us whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, and he goes through all these beautiful words. Whatever is good, you think about such things. Why? Because where your mind's eye goes, there your heart and life and actions go as well. Now, Jesus, in this beautiful prayer, is saying, I want you to have eyes that see what Jesus Christ himself sees. So I'm going to direct your gaze so as you look in the prayer, you will go in life. And so many people have pointed out this prayer is divided into two halves. First half is focused on God, the brilliance of God. In fact, notice all these things. It says, our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I'm going to keep moving here. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm move back just one here. Do you notice all of this is about who, church? It's all about who, church? It's about God the Father. It's about our Father. It's about Him. First half, look how big our God is. In fact, it's not simply that. Last week, next slide. Next, last week, we talked about that when you pray to the Father, the Holy Spirit God himself in you is actually translating what you say. So it gets to God in a way that is perfect and articulates not what you're saying, but the truth of what you're saying. And it's through the power and through the name and through the person of Jesus, meaning he is the all-access pass to the Father. And so when you pray, you are drawn up into the midst of almighty God. He surrounds you. Here's why this is so important. You begin this way. Because he wants you to see how big your God is. When you have a big God and a picture of how big your God is, church, I don't care how big your problems are. When you see how big God is, no problem is as big as your God. But when you have a little picture of God, every problem is a big problem. Have you noticed this? So he says, gaze on God first, look at him, focus, navigate to him. It is about God and his bigness and that you are drawn in. And then the second half, though, brings it down to the personal, doesn't it? But there's something here that I think is incredibly curious. And before I show it to you, there was a day where Jesus was asked by some religious leaders, Jesus, out of the 613 laws, what Law is the greatest, or in other words, what is the greatest commandment? And so Jesus says, well, it's very simple. Love God with everything. By the way, did you see that we just saw the exaltation, the love of God in the first half of that prayer? But then he says the second command is like the first, meaning you can't have the first without the second or the second without the first. He says, just as you love God with everything, love your who? Who? Your neighbor neighbor as yourself. And I love what Dr. Tim Mackey said. He said, the Lord's prayer is the greatest command put in prayer form, because the first half is about loving God. He is so big, so good, he's so powerful. And then the second half notices, it's not about me, it's about we. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you see a common theme here, church? Jesus is modeling that when you pray, your eyes are firmly set on God, and when you pray for the personal, it is not simply about me, but it is about we. This is called, and here's your big church word for the day. You'll get big bucks if you use this around town. I'm sure people will be so impressed with your knowledge. This is the word, intercession. To pray for another person, to go to God in prayer on behalf of another is called intercession. It simply means that you go on behalf of another. When you pray, as Jesus taught, it is at its core a prayer of intercession Not simply about me, myself, and I, but we, ourselves, and us. This is fundamental to what God has called us to do. And in a few minutes, by the way, just, just so you know, in just a few minutes, we are going to dig into this practically. We're going to have a prayer time. At the end of service, three shepherds and their spouses are going to be up front, and we're going to have a moment where they will receive anyone for prayer, praise, issues, whatever else it may be. Because we want to be a church that doesn't simply go to God for ourselves, but is open to go to God for one another. So get ready for it. We're going to have some time this morning and for the weeks going forward. So here's the big question. And in fact, let me just put it this way. If you look at this picture, the picture is not just you and God, but this is sort of the picture that I would like for us to get in our minds today. That when you pray, you are inviting others in. You are talking to God about other people. In fact, if you want to write this down, the two greatest gifts you can ever give someone. Two greatest gifts. Are you ready? Number one, tell the person about Jesus Christ. Do what we saw this morning. Share the gospel with a friend, a family member, a coworker, a fellow student. Share Jesus with others. Tell someone about Jesus. And then you tell Jesus about that person. And no, I'm not talking about tattletaling. Any of you ever see your kids and they tell you about the other one? I mean, it is never, oh, dear father or dearest mother, let me brag on my sibling to you. They are grand. They are wonderful. You ought to treat them well because they are such good children. No, when they talk about each other to you, it's always to complain. This is not what I'm saying here. You want to be a blessing. You want to give the greatest gift. You talk to God about your friend. And so... Here's how Jesus begins to explain it. How do you do this? What do you talk about? He's getting real practical here. Let me show you three things that Jesus says categorically you can talk to God about when you think about other people. Number one is provision. I'm just going to put these all up here so you've got it. Provide, forgive, and protect. We'll just kind of walk through these real briefly here. But when you're thinking about how do I pray for another person, what does that look like? Well, again, remember the greatest command is love God, but it's to love others as who? Who? This works so much better if there's a response. Let's try this again. To love others as who? Ourselves. Very good. To love God and love others as ourselves. So what would you like from God? Pray that for another. Do you want God to provide for you, church? Amen, I do. Who wants to eat today? Anyone? Anyone want to eat more than once today? Anyone want to have some choices when they go to eat? Anyone want to be picky about what they eat? Okay, we may, don't pray for that. But pray provision. So this is where he says in verse 11, the provision is God, give us our daily bread. We don't have time to get into it, but if we went back to the book of Exodus, this is a picture of the Old Testament where the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, wandering in the desert for 40 years, unable to grow crops in the desert. And what happens is they are completely dependent on God for their daily bread. So God supernaturally provides with the stuff called manna. And the word manna simply means, what is it? We don't know, but it tastes good. And they were told every day you get a little bit of that stuff, enough for that day. Don't get more than that day. But some of the people did not trust God with each day's provision. So they got more than that day's. And anything that they kept, anything they used or did not use, but held over, went bad, soured, had maggots going through it. And the point was, you ask for what you need and trust that God will provide. And so Jesus, borrowing the language and the imagery from the Old Testament, says, listen, you ask God to provide, but not just for me. You pray it for others. This is where you get to look around and say, who around me needs daily bread? Who around me needs provision? Lord, would you please be with so-and-so? They're they're hungry. Lord, would you be with so-and-so? They need a job. God, would you be with so-and-so? Their relationship is falling apart. Lord, would you be with so-and-so? Their health, their, their situation they're facing, whatever it is. Provision, second thing, pray for forgiveness. This is what it means to ask God to forgive our debts. Now, I'm not gonna ask who in here has debts, but if I were to ask you, do you know what a debt is? We all would be able to say, absolutely. A debt is where you borrow something or you purchase something on credit or perhaps it's a mortgage or something else, but you buy something with money you do not yet have and you promise to pay off that which you have borrowed. So for instance, we have a mortgage right now. Thank the Lord I have a mortgage. That means I've got a house. But we have a mortgage, which means every month, I don't really own that house. Rather, I have borrowed money from the bank, and I am paying off a little bit every month from now until Jesus returns, so that one day, maybe it'll be mine. So we are indebted He says, when you have sinned, you are indebted to someone, not to an institution, but an individual. This, by the way, side note, people who say to me, Josh, I don't go to church because the church wounded me. I tell them, respectfully, an institution can't wound you, but people can. Let's deal with the people issue, and we can deal then with what's going on. And so we say to God, God, we have borrowed something. We have harmed you. We have taken something from you. But here's the reality. We cannot pay back the debt that we've borrowed, church. Amen? Who in here has the ability to forgive their own sins? Who in here has the ability to go back in time and undo what they did? Not a one of us. And so we are indebted to God. He says, please forgive us. That means, God, would you eat the cost of my sin? Just like if you went to the bank. By the way, how many of you would even think about going to the bank saying, you know, God, or, guys, um, I-, I like my house, but boy, this monthly payment business, it's a, it's a drag. I, I mean, I just, I- I'm bummed out when I do it. I, I don't like it. In fact, I-, I tell you what, I've just made a decision. I don't think we're going to pay our mortgage anymore. This month will be the last one. You guys cool with that? What do you think they would say? Nope. And guess what? They've got a group of people who are dedicated to ensuring that you continue to pay and that everything goes smoothly. And if you should go to a person who is less credible and less reputable than, let's say, a bank, but you go to a, well, I don't know, perhaps we call them a lone animal. And if we were to choose an animal from the underwater world, We might call them a shark because they eat people up who do not pay back. In fact, they do not have groups of people who know how to make you pay. They have individuals who know how to make you pay, and they will visit with you and have a rigorous conversation about why you should pay. The point is, when you don't pay, you end up paying. And yet, when we come to God, we say, I can't pay it. I fall at the mercy of Jesus Christ. God, would you pay the debt for me? And he goes, I got it. But he says, listen, you don't just pray that for yourself. You pray that for others. Listen, you have friends today who need to know Jesus Christ. You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. They don't need to know me or you. They need Jesus. And one of the best ways, one of the best ways to introduce them to Jesus is to tell them about Jesus and then to tell Jesus about them. You say, yeah, but my friend's not interested in church. My friend's not interested in Jesus. Do what my mother did whenever she got mad at my father. She would simply, and I quote, I would just go over his head to his boss. And she'd talk to Jesus. You talk to Jesus. So provide. Provide. Forgive. And number three, protect. Ask God to protect them. This is the phrase, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, or a better translation is protect us from the evil one. The evil one is the devil. And by the way, we believe there is such a thing as a supernatural, very intelligent, crafty, being that has been around for a long time, not God, but created by God, chose to turn, chose to rebel, and we believe that there is such a thing as the devil. Amen? Okay, we don't pretend that, oh, everything's just sort of okay, and there's really only God, but there's really nothing. No, there is an enemy who wants to eat you up and spit you out. And I know this passage has tripped a lot of people up, and we may get into it a little later to try to explain it. It really should. And here's the best translation I've ever heard. God, allow us not to fall into the clutches of the enemy, but protect us from him. And I love the image that a friend of mine, Dr. Whittington, makes this point. He says, it's a picture of a father walking with his child on an icy road as long as the child holds on to the hand of the father, nothing happens, but it's when the child pulls away that the child falls. He's saying, don't let me pull away from you. Don't let me do it. So we ask God to provide, forgive, and to protect. Now, real important. Here's a big question, church. It's all the plurals. Why do, who are the us's? Who are? are the us's Jesus is talking about. He says, lead us not, deliver us, provide for us, give us daily bread, us, us, us. Well, who are the us's? Here's the thing, if you're like me, I want to sit down and begin to put on a piece of paper, these are the us's, these are the them's. These are the people I pray for, these are the people that if I pray, I simply pray that God will shoot a lightning bolt, okay? Who is or are the us's? And I love this. Jesus in this passage does not answer that question. Instead, he allows the scope of Scripture to speak for who the us's are. Let me just throw this up. Our time's almost up, but I want you to see this. Are you ready for some us's? First Timothy 2.2 says, the us that you're to pray for, that I'm to pray for, are our authorities. That means anyone who's in leadership above us, whether it's locally, nationally, doesn't matter. You say, but I don't like so-and-so. Isn't it great? You don't have to like the person you pray for but you can still pray for the person. We pray for our countrymen, Romans 10.1. We pray for our city, Jeremiah 29. Everyone's familiar with /11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But verse seven says, pray for the good of the city. Ask God that it may prosper, blessings over the city. You pray for your city. You pray for your ministers and church leaders. This is what Paul says, hey, thank you for praying for me. You pray for the leaders of the church. Pray for your friends, and in this passage is interesting because the friends aren't acting like friends, but you still pray for them. Pray for your enemies. Some of us don't have friends or enemies. We just have a bunch of frenemies. doesn't matter. Pick a passage and pray for them. Matthew 5, he says, talks about, hey, you pray for those who persecute you. You pray for those who are your enemies. Because at one time, by the way, I was an enemy of God, and yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus Christ prayed for all, including Josh Diggs. And then finally, if any of us are unsure as to who we pray for, I like how Paul's like, hey, tell you what, forget it. Just just pray for anyone. If they're sucking air, if they're pumping blood, you pray for them because a lot of times we like to categorize there's God, there's us, and then there's everyone else. But the Bible is very clear. There's God, and then there's everyone else except for those who've come to know him, and all of us are begging more to do so. So I want you to think for a moment here. Who's the us for you today? Who's that person or people or group of people that God is saying, hey, I want you to pray for this person. Lift them up. Ask God to help, to heal, to to fix what is going on. And if we had time, I'd I'd show you a couple more passages. I'd invite you to just write these down and read them later this week. But James 5, verse 13, excuse me, verse, uh, yeah, 13 through 16. James says, look, whatever's going on in your world, you pray about it. If you're in trouble, if you're happy, if you're sick, if you've sinned, whatever it is, you pray, you pray, you pray. And then the beautiful promise is God answers. In fact, go to the next slide. Let's just do this. Go to verse 16. Let's move ahead here. Keep going. One more. And one more. Actually, go back one. There we go. That's great. Notice this. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. You say, yeah, but. Okay, we'll get to your yeah, buts on Wednesday. Just take this for a moment. And the prayer offered in faith will make the, pers- the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And then verse 16, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And verse 16 ends. The prayer of a righteous man, or really just a person who loves God, is powerful and effective. You say... Do you have any examples? Absolutely. Acts chapter 12, Peter has been imprisoned. John has just been put to death. Uh, John Mark, rather, has just been put to death in prison, and now Peter is facing execution. The church is terrified that Peter is going to die next. And so in Acts chapter 12, go ahead and put this up on screen, in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, notice what happens. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church prayed, the church prayed, the church prayed, and you read about this miraculous save. You say, does God still open prisons? Well, I'll let you know something. There are people who've been let out of the prison of addiction because of prayer. There are people who've been let out of the prison of self-absorption because of prayer. There are people who have been let out of all sorts of prison because of prayer. But here's what's interesting. They pray, but then we go down into the next section after he is released. Go ahead to the next slide here for me. Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Now notice this hold on. He gets out. He goes to the house. And notice what happens next. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, I love this so much, she leaves him there. This is just too great. She was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. He's just got out of prison. He's made a break for it, and she's like, that's cool. Wait right there. I'll be back. She, the Bible's awesome. If you'll just read and think. It's so great. Okay. I'll have more time on this later. Without opening it and exclaim, Peter is at the door. Now, before we look at the next verse, what do you think? What do you think that the people who've been praying earnestly for Peter's release are going to say next? Praise God, he answered our prayer. He is such a good God. Look at what he's done. Isn't that what they're going to say? Are you ready? Here we go. Here's what they say You are out of your mind. How dare you think prayer actually works? We just do it, but we don't expect anything from it. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept on insisting that it was so, they said, well, I'll tell you what, it's more likely that God just sent us an angel than that he got Peter out. Look, how bad must your faith be to assume that an angel is at the door in person instead of an answer your prayer. But notice the next line here. But Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Here's what I want to say to you. In James 5, it talks about the prayer of faith. If you have faith or the prayer of a righteous person, well, you got to be righteous. Do you notice how faithless these people are? And yet God is Answers their prayer. Because the power of prayer is not in the pray-er. It is in the one answering the prayer church. It is in the power of Jesus Christ. It is in the power of God Almighty. It is in the power of the one we declare. That is why you can pray for others. Not because you're a super Christian, but because you are just foolish enough to say, I trust him that when I pray, he works why the best gift is to tell someone about Jesus and then tell Jesus about that person. I want to end with two stories, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer. This week, I had two amazing answered prayers in this body, and I'm certain there's more that I don't know about, but let me tell you about two. Uh, there's a wonderful family in our body here, the Lusk family. Most of you know Derek and Amy and their kids are just incredible, incredible family, sweet family, and for almost a year, they have been fostering this little boy named Princeton, just a newborn boy, just a sweet little kid. And, and it's fun to watch them because both De- uh, Derek and Amy love on this little boy as though he were their own. I mean, it's just it's great to watch them. But the process and plan had always been to hopefully get him into a stable house long term. But as you know, when it comes to adoption or fostering, and the system it doesn't always work well. And so through a lot of prayer and a lot of things that had been going on, there was a couple connected to us, not here but at City Collective, Matt and Christi, uh, Kristen Moore. They said, hey, we'd love to foster, and who knows, maybe that'll lead into something else. And so they began to pray and began to work, and there was a meeting this week at 1.30 on Thursday with CPS. The Moors weren't even in the country. They were calling in from England to be a part of this conversation. And Derek, before the conversation, began to call a bunch of people around the church and elsewhere and said, would you just pray that God will move this through? Because, I mean, it's CPS. it just things don't always work well. And the people of God began to pray. And I get a text from Derek about 2 o'clock on Thursday afternoon saying it's official. He's going to the Moors. The praise of God. He gave what they prayed for. Let me give you one more. I want to show you a picture on this one. I wanted to... Come on. I want you to introduce you. This is Jackson or Jax. This is big brother Hendricks. This is Barrick and Kayla, Whitaker's sons. What you don't know is that uh, Jax, he was born last month. He's just a little over a month old. And as you know, with, with all newborns, what they do with newborns is they begin to do a battery of tests just to see what, how they're doing and what they need to do. And so with JAX, they ran the standard battery of tests and they began to see some things that were fairly troubling. In fact, it was really troubling. The test came back that JAX had cystic fibrosis. And if you know anything about this disease, it's, it's, um, it's a killer. I mean, there's just all sorts of things that go with it. And it's just very challenging. And of course, that was heavy news to hear, but the doctor said, well, i tell you what, our next step is we're going to do a second batch of tests. And these tests will determine, of the 30 common types of cystic fibrosis, which one Jax has. And so they do the second battery of tests. And it just recently came back and they said, he does not have any of those, which means he's got probably, he's got a more uncommon one and possibly a far more severe version. They get that news this past week. And on Monday, they said, we're going to have to run the third test. And I was talking to Barrick earlier this week. He said, Josh, Monday was the worst day. I mean, just the worst day. But again, they just said, you know, maybe maybe there's something to talking to God and inviting others into this moment and asking them to pray as well, and so on Tuesday morning, our staff, once a month, pauses from everything, and we go into our own offices, and we just pray, and we get a text from Evan, the staff, and he says, hey, would you be praying? Here's the situation. Would you be praying for Barracks, son, Jax, and be with them, that the test comes back, and it's not as bad as they think, and all this, and prayer time for us, at least, is from 9 to 9 30, and and again, the goodness of God, about 9.30, Evan gets a text. He doesn't have cystic fibrosis. In fact, I called Barrick and I, we talked about it. He said, Monday was the worst day of my life. But then Tuesday, I get a call from the doctor. The doctor tells us, he says, I don't know how to explain it. But he doesn't have cystic fibrosis after all. And it's like Barrick's like, dude, I can explain it. Why don't I tell you? His name is Jesus. And he answers prayer. Now, does that happen every time? No, but here's the reality in our own church this week, family. People have been foolish enough, naive enough to simply say, Will you pray? And God has said, I will answer. Because the power is not in the prayer, it is in the one receiving prayer. So, here's my only question this morning Are you ready? Will you pray? Will you just pray? And and here's, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. We're going to go into a time of prayer, and you're going to be given the opportunity to pray, either by yourself, where you stand, or with others. And we're going to be singing while we do this, so you don't have to feel weird. It's not going to be real awkward or quiet. But in these few moments that we're about to go into, will you pray? Pray for yourself, pray for others, but just pray. I'm going to invite our prayer partners down to the front. Some of our shepherds are going to make their way here. And if you guys will go ahead and make your way up here. Um, And as they're making their way, they'll be stationed in the main sections here so you can see them easier and that you can get to them easier if you would like to pray. You say, well, Josh, I'm nervous. What do I say? What do I pray about? Here's the good news. You simply say, help. And they'll say, okay, let's pray. Or you say, praise God. And they'll say, okay, let's pray. You say, this is what's going on. They say, okay, let's pray. Let me give you a few categories over the next few minutes. Here's what you might want to pray about. You may want to come forward and celebrate some good news. Have we had some good news in our church this week? Yeah. Maybe you just want to say, yay, God, and be one of those who's a good asker and a good receiver. Maybe you also want to ask God just to help you or others with various things. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's someone's salvation, whatever it may be. And by the way, these are private. We're not going to share this afterwards. No one's going to get up here with a microphone and say, well, so-and-so just said they need prayers over. No, this is for you to pray with a brother and sister and say, God, will you help, will you heal, or thank you, God. Maybe today you just need to repent and say, God, forgive me, help me. Some of you, you say, I I don't need to pray. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. You come forward. We will get you set, and we will baptize you this morning. And for others, maybe you just say, God, I just want some help. I'm going through a tough time. I'm being tempted, or there's these issues at work, or this situation at home, and I just need help. Whatever your need, you can pray. But God answers when we pray. So we're going to prepare the room and prepare our hearts I'm going to ask us all to stand, and Paul, I'm going to ask Paul to come up here. We're going to sing a couple songs together, and during these songs, allow the words of these songs to be prayers from you to God, and if you wish to receive prayer, by the way, you just need to know, um, I'm coming forward for prayer this morning because I need prayer. By the way, you want to know the best gift you can give me? Pray for me. I had calls this morning from some of you saying, I'm praying for you today. I just felt like I needed to. What you don't know is I did not sleep well last night. I was anxious about today. I don't know why. But I can tell you that as I heard that you were praying and through the morning, I was encouraged and emboldened. Thank you. You need to understand that prayer matters. I need prayer. We need prayer. And I'm coming forward in just a moment. So, Gary, hang on just a second, okay? But this is your moment to talk to God with someone who loves you and loves God. So would you be willing today, just pray? Well, family, we love you. As you leave this week, here's all we want you to remember, that as you pray, our God answers. May we be a praying church for ourselves and for others, and may he respond to the prayers of his children this week. God bless you. You are dismissed.